I stand firmly in the fact that I'm one of the best to ever do this for the culture, for my coast, and for my city. This is the best rapper in LA podcast. 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 And I'm your host, Merce. 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 What up, though? What up, though? Welcome back. We're still talking about End of the Beginning. We are at the 12th song, I believe, which is Deaf Cover. Being this is the end of the beginning and my introduction to the world, I wanted to, when I heard this beat, um, I don't know if uh, the I Can Feel It was already in there. And that's why I did it. But um, Deep Cover was a big deal for me. Being just starting junior high, moving from Linwood, California, which is next to Watts, Compton, it's the hood, um, and the epicenter of everything blood and crip related, the crack pandemic, epidemic, whatever you want to call it, epidemic, sorry. The Bataram, all the stuff we've talked about, like everything you hear about early 80s LA or mid 80s, late 80s LA, I was just my neighbor at my studios. One of those guys that just came home after 30 some years, part of that whole era. It's a different era of um, Crippen. There's a different honor um, in dope dealing. If there's any honor to be had in it, it was way more organized and quote unquote ethical. Another reason why some of these guys got hammered with the years they got was to keep those ethics and that uh, order out of the streets and continue to perpetuate chaos and bloodshed. But gentlemen like that, I meet, you know, according to them, because, you know, they write the history now, but um, the streets were a little more in order. And I can see the things that he does now. Toy drives, Juneteenth, like there's always something. He's really out here actively providing jobs for the community after coming home. I think it's 30-something years. Uh, So this is the era I grew up. So when I moved to Covina, I am missing, I'm in San Gabriel Valley, 98% white city, Glendora, California, Covina, that area. At least that's what it felt like. There were five black kids at my junior high school. Um, so, no, maybe six, six. One was a buster. Um, but other than that, like most of us were people who moved, um, in from out of so we were all kind of like i would assume similar to like um not as extreme i don't want to cheapen the struggle but as like refugees who come to this country like we are refugees at this school and i've and and especially in this album i talked about it being a war it really is a war like we're refugees like my parents are moving us out here to get away from the actual war going on in compton linwood watts uh west l.a South Central, parts of San Gabriel Valley, even Pasadena, Duarte, Duroc, Altadena Block, Pasadena, Denver Lanes. There's all kind of gangbanging going on. It's is is it's crazy. Um, it sounds like entertainment to you. It sounds far fetched. Even some of my homies that started coming out from the East Coast, my hip hop homies, 
they were like, yo, they would see some shit happen. Like they would come, we back and be on my mama's house and they see somebody or meet some of the homies or see something. They were like, yo, we thought y'all was just rapping. Like, you know, like lyrically. And I'm like, nah, this shit existed before motherfuckers was rapping about it. So I'm moving around the time Deep Cover comes out. I have moved to the Valley and that trauma bond or whatever it's called. I still want to connect with that part because it's still very much fresh in my uh, in my psyche. And I'm, I'm still absorbing skateboarding and going to the, the comic book store and fucking uh, shout out to Fun Zone on Arrow Highway. You know, learning to go by Upper Decks and I think the Bowman cars just dropped, buying the Beckett, watching the prices rise on our cars and all this other shit. But same time, like there's still just a lot of gangster, you know, sensibility. I was, I was, my mind preparing to join, become a crip at sixth grade. This is, you know, so this is a goal I had since third grade, second grade, third grade, you know, as crazy as that sounds. So gangster rap was part of, as fucked up as it is, it was, was, I don't want to say soothing, but it was it was a it was a safe place for me where I was ridiculed for being black or how I talked or how I dressed or you, you know, I was we moved there in the summer. I beat up two people at at the daycare at the park, where that's how I became official latchkey kid for the summer. I believe somebody took some from a little brother. I knocked his tooth out. Another dude called my little brother a nigger. I threw him into a bookcase, choked him out, but. In my neighborhood, we fought all the time, and we were friends. We just go, okay, then we go back next play. We had a game called Murder Football. I don't know, I think in, I'll say it here, but you know, like I think in, and what I learned later in the white white neighborhood, they call it smear the queer. Well, I I didn't even know what a queer was. Murder football, we call it, you know, murder football. But you know, it's where you throw the ball up, and whoever catches the ball, it's everyone on the playground or everyone on the street tries to tackle that person. There's no teams. So you got to have heart to catch it because like we're tackling full on. You know, some kids in, in, in Linwood were, you know, like, like let's play murder football on, on the concrete. We had concrete spaces and driveways where you could get tackled. That's if you were really bold. But we, you know, it's mostly grass. But there are there were some real wild, the real rough kids, <laughs> if you can imagine that, like just throwing each other down in the asphalt in the street. So murder football, like it was back to murder football. You fight. Squabble up, boom, we, we playing football again. I maybe, and that was like one of those benefits of gang culture because we're, at the end of the day, we're all still from the same hood. Like, you know, it's shitty to have infighting, but it's good to get it out and that aggression and you're getting your skills up for battle with the enemy, right? With the rivals. So, you know, like you said something on my brother, bop, bop, you know, knocked your tooth out. We good the next day. Motherfuckers were scared of me. I was an asshole. I was a dick for why, why'd you have to hit him? I'm like, well, fuck you me. <laughs> you know, I thought that's what you expect. I thought it was what you was ready for. When you cross that line, you say the wrong thing. You take something from somebody that's your ass. Like cultural differences. I didn't learn cultural differences too much later. Thanks to um, Sean Daly. We, we were able to, to come to that. But like, yeah, you don't. In your in your upbringing, you don't hit people. Violence is the last resort. It's abhorrent. It's fucking you know, unless you're annihilating. It's your ancestors annihilating a whole fucking culture or, or race or group of tribe of people. That violence is okay, but God forbid, you know, you kind of get out that aggression on a on another level. Thank God for UFC. 
shit like that. Men need that. Some, some need men need that. They need football. They need kickboxing. They need, I hate to say it, they need jujitsu. I don't know. That's a whole nother need. That's a need of, for, for aggression and a whole, I think, laying between another man's legs is a whole nother need. My children are jujitsu. I'm, I'm just joking. I just like, if you listen to Felipe's Garage, you know it's an ongoing joke with cookbook and jujitsu. I didn't feel as alienated when I heard the first DJ Quick album. Yeah, everybody wants to know the truth about a brother named Quick. I come from the school of the slow wicked and the slick. A lot of people already know exactly where it's at because it's the home of the jackets and the crack. Compton. Yeah, that's the name of my hometown. I'm down. Compton swapped me. Rambi and Spruce. Like, these are streets I knew. Like, you know, we lived in Linwood, but my babysitters were from Nutty Block Crip. We've talked about it here. You know, they showed me my first grenade and shit like that. And, you know, walking with them, I had no idea how fucking stupid they were walking. I'm walking with, like, not, not a, not a, you know, and back then there wasn't really a lot of posers in gangbanging. Like, you was with it. Like, these are act, they're active. These are, these are certified dum-dums. I'm walking to the fuck. They're supposed to be watching me. I'm nine, 10, eight, nine, 10 years old walking to the store. They 13, 14, but they are active active gangbangers and we fuck it we gonna walk to the store that's not in our hood we gonna walk to you to the park <laughs> it's like jesus christ bro it was there was some shit i endured having them as babysitters but so i'm i'm all over so but hearing dj quick rap or hearing compton's most wanted it reminds me of home there's a there's a comfort in that so I'm very aware, and um, this is before I could read the source, but I'm very aware of watching. Now we have cable, so I'm able to watch Rap City, and I'm understanding what cable is. I don't think it was properly paid for cable. And it's just, you know, the channels are good or bad. First time I saw Big Daddy Kane on Rap City with the twist in his hair, the like baby dread flat tie. I was like, I, that's, I knew I wanted locks. It wasn't Bob Marley. It was Big Daddy Kane with twist. I was like, I wanted dreads since that. First time I saw Fishbone was their pay-per-view. And the first time I saw somebody stage dive, crowd surf. But I knew Fishbone from Back to the Beach. Do you girls know how to Jamaica Sky? Jamaica what? Yeah, sure, Nat. It's a required course at our college. <laughs> well, do you know how to Jamaica Sky? Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. This is when you just watch what's on cable. You know, so I watched Back to the Beach with Frankie and Annette. And I, I didn't know that they were famous in the 50s or 60s or whatever, but I just, they had, Fishbone was in that shit. And I know, I'm sure maybe people in the punk sky scene gave them shit. But for me, a black kid, seeing them in that situation, that's the first time I heard sky. It's the first time I saw any kind of punk black people, which made me watch their pay-per-view, which was stolen. So yeah, we did have stolen cable but made me watch their pay-per-view. And that's the first time I saw somebody, when I saw Angelo do a front flip into the crowd and them playing saxophones in a different way, in a punk way, like that changed my life, man. So when you shit on indie bands for doing shit on a mainstream level, you're forgetting about the kids 
and this is something I want to address with my brothers privately, but I'll say this here. There's a lot of indie rappers now talking about selling stuff and, you know, paywalling their shit, whether it's Patreon or uh, whatever the new platforms are, pay what you like, blah, blah, blah. I'm just hoping that indie rap, the people doing this, the, you know, have music that kids need to hear because it's different than drill and they're younger and they have a chance at making an impact on that younger demographic, but paywalling your music that way doesn't allow the youth access to it. And that worries me or is concerning to me because shit like Fishbone selling out changed my life. Because, oh, yeah, the comfort I was getting from from seeing D, D, hearing DJ Quick and Compton's Most Wanted was cool, but that was linking me to my past. The fishbone thing gave me something to like, oh, okay, this is a way I could kind of be a part of this new shit I'm in and still be black. This is dope too. We need both and we need, you know, it's one of the main reasons I signed a Warner Brothers. We get to Mercer for President. We'll talk about that. But I need to quote unquote sell out in order to be on MTV and there's still kids today and it was so worth it that come up to me and saw, say, I saw, uh, I saw the Candy B video where you were running when you had your hair and you were... For my supporters and my fans, man, I know y'all been waiting. Now it's finally here and thank you for your patience. The world's gone crazy since we last spoke. Bloodshed and war, the absence of hope. Shooting at the school, economy's a joke. Homies on heroin, homies on coke. But can you even blame them when they only trying to coke? Damn. Like, I was one of the first rappers to have parkour in their videos. and put. I've been looking at message boards for free running for years um, and into parkour before it was called parkour and America, you know, I think it was parkour, but I had been searching the internet for parks to meet up with people to do parkour and had a couple failed meetups trying to learn free running since I first heard about it. But that video, we'll get to that later, but I bring that up also because Rashidi Harper directed that video and he currently has a Netflix special that just came out yesterday called Headliners Only, a documentary with Chris Rock and Kevin Hart. Please support him. Shout out to Rashidi. Congratulations. I guess that's the commercial on Netflix during the holidays. Make sure you check out him. Check him out. Everything happens in rhythm. Chris said, let's put this rhythm together. And I said, what do you think about destroying New York? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm smart enough to always check to see what Kevin's doing before I go on tour. Because I'm not, I'm not getting stomped by Kevin. <laughs> it's just not happening. <laughs> Said, why don't we do something together? We should do a tour together. I'm like, who no. are you, motherfucker? This is a story of two separate journeys that end up at the same intersection at the top. Kennedy was not his first video, but he did such a dope video for me. And uh, we've been maintained a friendship and he's been a mentor. He's a great father and husband. And when I need words from a um just an older man, but especially a black man in the music industry that has been able to raise two very intelligent talented, handsome, kind, good kids. And he's always been there to just like advise me. Uh, so I really, really, really love and respect Rashidi. Shout out to him. Check out Headliners Only. But those things are necessary um, as my contemporaries or the, the the generation below me begins to try to still find a way to make money as Spotify has made it almost impossible and to support their livelihood where I had it easy to sell CDs and shit. Just be cautious and mindful of alienating the youth who need the message. 
I would say just as much as you need the financial support. Snoop Dogg, uh, NWA breaks up. We hear from Easy E. <sighs> Rand had to kiss my black ass EP. Me and Ice Wonder Bond over all that um, Mayday on the front line. Man, kiss my black ass EP was woo man. I beat a nigga's ass on the trenches for the hell of it. Tell the motherfucking piece of pussy to go tell of it. I don't give a damn, I beat a nigga like he's stole some and then I let the motherfucker know where it's coming from. I'm from Compton, everybody's on the wagon. I'm looking for niggas that's thinking that they're the shit that's who I'm tagging. Never asking questions, I just go right in and do Like Ren is the rock him a gangster rap, bro. He's overlooked sometimes, but bruh, bruh, the way he was rapping. His growth and evolution, like that was to me, no disrespect. I'm sure he's still ill, but for me, like that was the pinnacle of gangster rap. His pen, seeing the evolution from straight out of Compton to 100 Miles and Running to Niggas for Life to Kiss My Black Ass EP, man. Dope. But we hadn't heard from Dre. And I think I got my history correct. So when the deep cover video comes out, and I I see the single, I'm because you know it's a new movie about drug dealing and whatever. I want to see it. Lawrence Fishburne is in it. The guy, I think that was when he was the guy from uh Boys in the Hood, you know. Larry Fishburne's in it. Bill Duke, who I'm becoming familiar with as I at even at that age, I was becoming like reading about directors and cinematographers. Um, but that was the benefit also of Rap City when you had shows that would like interview, I think it's um, Ernest Dickerson and the directors would come on. Like Rashidi has done um, Sway in the Morning recently. Like when kids get to see like, oh, there's somebody behind the camera. This is a direct, Spike Lee was just coming to prominence. So I was watching directors and I knew, okay, this is a movie with the black director. And I was reading, I was a weirdo. I was reading the calendar section, reading reviews on films, reading like the little credits that are at the bottom of the poster written by, directed by, director of photography, learning that term. I'm still in like sixth, sixth, seventh grade, but this medium of art film has always fascinated me almost as much as music. So I'm, so Bill Duke, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, and oh shit, Dr. Dre. And this is when soundtracks are hot. New Jack City soundtrack, uh, the Juice soundtrack, Boys in the Hood soundtrack, you had to have, you know, you had to get the soundtrack. So, oh, the deep cover, a black film with the soundtrack is a must. I think this is a little bit before Jason's lyric and Poetic Justice, but this is when black soundtracks were hot, at, at a peak almost. I would say the peak because it's after New Jack City, it's after Boys in the Hood, it's after Juice. And who the fuck and what the fuck is Snoop Doggy Dog, bro? Cause it's one eight seven on an undercover car. Creep with me as I crawl through the hood. Maniac lunatic calling Snoop Eastwood. Kicking dust as I bust fuck peace. And the motherfucking fuck police. You already know I give a fuck about a cop. So why in the fuck would you think that it would stop? Plot, yeah, that's what we's about to do. Take your ass on a mission with the boys in blue. Drake, what up, Snoop? Yo, I got the feeling tonight's the night. 
what the fuck is Snoop Doggy Dog? I was like, oh, this is a weird name. He's never going to. I've said that in my head about 50 Cent and Snoop Doggy Dog. And boy, was I ever wrong. So if I ever criticize your name, forgive me. Because I don't know fuck all. Snoop fucking Doggy Dog on the cover of a single with red red and black and you know, I think Lawrence Fishburne's and you can see him vaguely in the background if I remember the single correctly. But man, when that motherfucker rapped, bro, I think I stole it or had my little brother steal it from the warehouse. Man. Oh my God. Creep with me as I crawl through the hood. Maniac, Liberty, come Snoop, Lunatic, come Snoop Eastwood, kicking dust as I was poly. Bro, and 187, like things that I heard and seen on wall, like Snoop Doggy Dog is a name you see on on the wall or like your cousin. Like it's it's not a, not a main, it's part of, still part of black culture that wasn't mainstream. Doggy Dog and Snoopy and like, that's just N-word shit. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like for us, Dr. Dre came back swinging with this new dude. Then I saw the video. And I'm like, oh shit, Long Beach Crip? Like LBC? What the fuck does that mean? Is he a Crip? Is this a Crip on television? Like openly Cripping? Like with LBC on his sweatshirt that's made? Like you could tell it was made at the Swap Me. I know. Like that's home. Like that was like to feel seen. Like that was since Easy E with like a Jerry Curl. Now I'm like, oh, now we're really like open. Like it's no more NWA anonymous fucking Raiders gear, all black, so we don't offend anybody. But if you know, you know that Easy might be from Nutty Block and Q might be from Neighborhood, and like you know, you might know, and, and Treetop Pyru, you may know Total Track Productions, and uh, you may know MCH from Track New Park. Like if you know people. But nigga, LBC on your sweatshirt? Like, does that mean Long Beach City? Like, I wasn't familiar with the politics in Long Beach. I was like, oh, he's a crip. That's what the C means. He made that at the swap meet. Oh, shit. And he's busting. Wow. He is rapping his ass off. I, I'm in. That's how impactful this song was to me. And it was the introduction of the world's introduction to who I, who I say the greatest rapper of all time is not lyricism, not just overall your auntie, your uncle, a 90 year old Jewish grandmother, any American and almost anyone in the world knows who Snoop Dogg is. Jay-Z, Eminem, maybe not. LL Cool J, maybe, maybe not. There's no doubt that anywhere you go in the world or at least on the North continent of North America, he's Snoop Dogg. You go to DFA, you can go to, to even El Salvador, you're going to Guyana, you're going, you know, Panama, Panama, Canada, from the top of this motherfucker, even, to, yeah, he got Brazil too. I don't know about the Argentinians, but I think from the tip of this side of the world, from the bottom of Argentina or Chile to the top of Canada, from Ottawa to Santiago, that motherfucker, you know him. And I just came back from Africa. I'm about for North Africa and East Africa. Like, maybe not East Africa. They were more 50 Cent, Tupac, and Shakira. Those were only, like, non-African people they knew when I was over there. 
like in the villages. But Snoop is Snoop. But and then of course, like if you're if you're messy, you can't go anywhere except for America. He could walk around. I saw someone in Miami who was going to the fucking store. You can go to the most remote part of the world if you're David Beckham or or Messi or even Mohammed Salah, uh Ronaldo is a rap for you, buddy. You can't go nowhere. You can't go fucking nowhere. I remember being backstage at my first LA Galaxy match when Beckham was playing and my homie, shout out to Xavier, took me backstage to celebrate David Beckham's, um, no, it was Kobe Jones' last game. So we went back to celebrate because he's friends with Kobe and we're in the suite and David Beckham had to have security within the suite in a party of like maybe 30, 40 people back there. The stadium's empty now. And I was like, God, dog, like this dude is for real, like the level of fame. Like he go to Sloss and Swap Meet, but he couldn't go to a remote island in Tahiti and not have to sign something. Fame is different. Snoop Dogg is that level of fame. That's why I say the greatest rapper of all time. Great as in fame and um and also contributions to the culture. He shifted a lot of things and continues to shift the things and, and when people say being relevant and having the clout in a good way in the most hip-hop way possible um snoop even with the sketchers move i don't like i thought that was dangerous i don't know if he's fully like jumped the shark or sold out corona dog food pepsi snoop could do what he wants because he never snoop doesn't have a white voice snoop doesn't have a suit and tie he puts on to look like a different thing snoop is snoop is snoop and if you've never seen the the old cooking show he has with Martha Stewart, please, that is vintage Snoop Dogg. Please watch that. Him and Martha Stewart are such a team. and They look out for each other. I love it. So that's why I started the way I started. Um, how many, 30 minutes into this podcast and Snoop Worship. I performed this song on Warp Tour with uh, Slug the summer of 2023. I believe... Or maybe it was summer 2022. Who knows? At this point, I don't remember much of shit. But I had this single to perform. He let me do the verse from this. I don't know why. Um, I'm rapping angry. I'm in the pocket, kind of. I'm not on beat. I mean, I'm not uh, saying anything important. I'm not anti-white or anti-negative. anti-something, anti-idiot. If you get where that's going, I guess I could say it now, like, you know, Whatever, I was very upset with Anticon, another rap crew. And the verse goes on to 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 spell that out for those who knew without saying their name. My big homie told me, just don't, don't, just don't. And um, I try to maintain that. Like, if I'm talking about you, you'll know. Maybe a couple people know, but I'm not going to make a diss song. But when I see you, it's up. And uh, we had a couple interactions here and there with members of that crew. Not the proudest moments of my life. I'm not going to... um. I'm going to stand on business, but I'm not going to uh, promote that. It's um, primitive um, beneath me. I'm glad nothing ever got serious. God bless those people. Yeah. I hope everyone could be at peace with everything. But just calling it what it was at the time. Silly, stupid, ego, rap shit. All on my part. I don't want to speak for them. That's just on my part. Um, referencing on Platinum like Cosby, that I don't People don't get it, but Cosby, the Cosby kids, the cartoon didn't didn't age well, but 
The clothes was fresh. Uh, the Platinum FUBU, Cosby, like that. I was still shopping the Sloss and Swap meet, And of course, they would have the Platinum FUBU, not the bootleg, but the Platinum FUBU that fell off the truck, so to speak. So you can go there and not pay what you would pay at the mall. Um, so I'd always go there and get the Platinum FUBU shirts, the Velour Platinum, my Platinum Velour Platinum FUBU sweatsuit. I still wish I had that. Oh my God. Iceberg, all the, all the, uh, the fly early 2000s wear and i wasn't even going to the club but i would i just love i mean like for me like it's a black owned business and it's my favorite one of my favorite cartoons from growing up the cosby kids miss so much it's so bad that that name got ruined but um fat albert like you know as just a black kid like having a black cartoon and having it be bill cosby at that time was pretty amazing I was bumping nocturnal when my mind started to travel on how I used to seek out MCs for reps to unravel. Now who's think I can't battle rap? Cause I roll a Cadillac. Put your money where your pie hole is. And watch me fuck you out your cash like my name was Jason Biggs. I'm making kids want to grow up to be astronauts again. Cause they see being an MC is not an option when there's a hungry motherfucker like me looking for fresh meat to make them look foolish as hell over their best beat. I press heat to your ear like God's to a wound hoping that it goes platinum like them Cosby cartoons. If I don't get a plaque on my wall from platinum release i'll still be a classic to y'all with plaque on my teeth chain smoking brain choking the shit out of rappers had to end your beginning to start the next chapter now i'm on some other shit like the fish that common wears or the enron affair or andre's hair somebody else might but i just don't care what you say or where you from i'm the baddest motherfucker touching down on kick drums such a sick tongue i should be in ic have to wear this long beard just to hide the iv my goal since i was young be a fly mc so i jumped off the gym junior high P.E. fell flat on my face, everyone laughed at me, now my flow so strong, gravity defies me, and I float on air without a pair of Nikes, so you just can't compare the flows rare like these. On some other shit like the fits that Common wears, um, Common was an electric circus era. Um, my goal since junior high to be a flyer. I guess all this is junior high because the Snoop intro is where I found out about Snoop in junior high. And then last week we spoke about, or I spoke, we didn't say shit. I spoke about my friends in junior high shitting on my rap. Um, so that's like the allusion to that. Like the goal is to, to junior high to be a fly MC. So I jumped off the gym, junior high PE, fell flat on my face. Everyone laughed at me. Now my flow's so strong, gravity defies me. That's decent. Like the second verse is like decent. My rap is a little better, but uh, it is an allusion to me, my goal in sixth grade, trying to be a fly MC and me rapping for my friends and them laughing at me. So that's the fell flat on my face. Everyone laughed at me, like literally laughing. I can still see it now. Like we're chaining up our bikes at the bike. I'm like, hey, yo, homeboy, blah, blah, blah. I don't like to say anybody's name, but or those people's name, but like, yeah, like check this out. Uh, da, 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 da. like legitimately ha, ha, in my face but I guess those are real friends so I'm not mad at it um, but it did shut me up for a while but it didn't make me quit I still wanted to rap It was. it's in me, it's not on me for the millionth time that's when they asked Bob Marley how long he's been a Rasta it's like ever since, like that's how long like this shit has been in me um, and there was nothing. My mother, my homeboys laughing at me could could kill it. Yeah. So I made my goal to be a fly MC. This is also the song I was doing when we talked about a few months ago 
or a few weeks ago when uh, I got hit with a water bottle in my face. I was doing deaf cover. So I guess anytime I hear that intro, that eh, the sense or whatever at the beginning, I think, oh, here comes a water bottle. Man, imagine what that, I want to see that kid now. I, I would probably have to run it with him now that he's an adult. Like, it was like, he's 20 years. So 20 years old, he's 30-something. I could definitely run it with him. Like, what, 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 what is the kind of hatred that's been pumped into you where you're at a concert, outdoors at a festival? He didn't throw, like, as long as I was the hype man, he was okay. When Sean said, like, oh, this is, this is my friend Mercy. He's going to do a new song, Death Cover, out now and in the beginning or coming soon, whatever it was, 2002, 2003. That's when you get mad. Excuse my French, but like, oh, he let the nigger do his own song. Fuck that. I'm going to throw a full water bottle. You're f 14 years old. What kind of shit has been said in your home or what kind of hate or hurt are you feeling to want to, like, everything was fine until I, I had to do my own song. Oh, now I've crossed the line. I'm going to show you how Massachusetts does it, nigger. Oh, man. People, man, human beings, bro. What the fuck? Like, you know, why? That is Death Cover. We're going to move on to the next song. Connected to this is the outro with me talking in my high ass, high ass. Don't, it was a Snoop movie. Like, don't make me use my high voice like that, that to a, some young lady. Um, we'll get into Please Leave. Now this here's for your spouse or significant other You were in love with the person Now you hate the motherfucker Get the fuck out Tell them to get the fuck out Alright, please leave a little cringy But not as cringy as I thought Alright uh, The outro at, like that, at the end of Death Cover That goes into that Is me yelling at the phone and my, I'm sure Ariel <laughs> He caught that Because it's like in the middle of takes He's recording me He thought that was funny Just call me when you get there Call me when you get ready to leave Okay? Hello? Okay? Hello? Oh, the irony. I won't go into it. But I don't think he was dealing with living girlfriends just yet. The drama that comes with uh, shacking up or living in immoral filth, as my grandmother would say. Premarital sex. These are the examples I'm going to use for my sons when I tell them not to, rather than just say it's against the Ten Commandments because they don't understand the weight of damning their eternal souls. But just, man, the, the trauma and the drama, I'm sure I put that person through and put myself through, we're not worth it. We put each other through. Not worth it. Young people, get some counseling, get some marriage counseling. Wait till you're married to have the sex. Wait till you're married to move in, because all that is just, ugh. Maybe no, don't be addicted to substances. You're going to need your full, you're going to be full to fully be fully present to navigate a lifetime commitment to another human for sure. Um, it takes a lot. And of course, you're not aware of that, and no one explains that to you. This is like, don't have sex because they don't want you to have fun. No, it's just whatever you believe. That's, that's some spiritual, miracle, fucking new agey shit, I believe. Like, definitely, you imprint on that person. You guys are doing something very intimate and Something on the unseen level is happening, a bond, an attachment, energy exchange. I believe all that shit is real. Like I said, you throw alcohol and uh, immaturity and struggle or finance, you know. I wasn't in a place to 
I was just trying to build a career. I had no idea um, what it took to make a relationship where I, st- I still don't know if I have any idea. But I'm more equipped to navigate that now. Uh, so the first verse is just about that and um, getting addicted to to sex with someone. But the drama that comes along with it isn't worth it. Um, maybe I shouldn't have made that song. Uh, it's funny, a friend of mine also told me during the time, the wildest, some of the wildest, like people, someone in my crew was dating someone else and their girlfriend at the time told me like, what are you doing? I was arguing with her and like, obviously someone there should say, this is toxic, please you can do better, you know? Like, if you're, if that's your homie or that's your home, your your significance other's homie, like, if you're a woman, like, it'd be a great time to step in and be like, you don't deserve to be treated that way. And, you know, because it was obviously, I was, I was in the, and in this instance, I was the one being mistreated. And, you know, it was back and forth. And the girl looks at me and was like, well, why would you do that? Like, she's way out of you. This is the best looking girl you're ever going to get. Just suck it up, basically. Huh? Like, what? Huh? <laughs> what the fuck? That was untrue. Not that the girl was ugly, but I definitely dated beautiful women after that. But this is how little respect I had within my, in my immediate circle of friends or people I was doing business with. It was, that's, as a kid, that's toxic as fuck. Why would you say that to someone that's, like, sad or, like, hurt? I should continue to allow myself to be mistreated because of how someone, and someone's appearance? Fuck out of here, man. Those are some of the dumbest shit, I, hurtful, dumb shit I ever So that was what I was trying to escape, and I finally escaped, and I think the song, a lot of these songs I made for myself. Uh, the next one's about somebody living with me. I don't know who the fuck I was talking about. I don't remember who was living with me. I don't remember. I'm not even going to try to speculate because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But that was weird. Um, but yeah, I made that. You know, things, people, shit that people don't make songs about. Like, there weren't a lot of songs about breaking up with your girl without calling her a stupid-ass bitch. Like, I used the word, I called her a nut. <laughs> like, you know, like, I was trying to make non-pimpish, misogynist music. You know, still some level of misogyny. I was raised in the 80s. I'm still working on myself. But this was a step in that way. Like, I'm not going to be like, fuck these bitches. Bitches ain't shit. Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Like that had been said. Like, how do you say that without, you know, uh, saying that? That was my attempt. It failed, but it was a try. And then the roommate thing, like everyone has roommate. A lot of people had roommate situations. No one was rapping about it or not many people. So that was that. And the last one, maybe how some rappers feel about me. Like it's another reason I'm closing out my recording career because I don't want to be that person. And if you ever come to my show, if I have new, if I'm doing a show to promote new music, I will all, most of the time, always do the new songs first. So if you're at the bar, you're in the bathroom, if I start with bad man, like you may be late to the show, you may be taking a piss, you may be at the bar. So I that's when I do the new shit. Like, hey guys, I'm starting my set. And if you like the new shit, great. I'm not gonna make you sit through the shit middle of the show and force it on you. That is not my goal. If you like the new shit and you love my new shit, great. 
but I'm going to do the new shit first, get it out of the way, and then we'll get on the shit you paid to see. I have no ego in it. I always see this as a service. I'm a public servant to a certain extent, definitely servant to the people who bought tickets. So I know what you, I kind of can tell what you are going to order. I'm a good chef, but I'd like to offer you something new as like the appetizer. Like this is something else I've done or I can do. Maybe you like it, go home, stream it, buy the record at the at the merch booth. Now let's get on with what you came for. Here's Here's your main course. Uh, that's how I treat it because of years of having to sit through MCs that were over the hill and um, I don't say over the hill, just not, some were not as good. Um, I don't know if it was, someone asked me if it was a dig at Karis One. I don't think it was because I'm an MC, Are You One Too, a, a dope album that Karis One just dropped. But there was a moment where I didn't understand what Karis One was doing. And now I fully understand and respect. And he's also, I just saw a video clip of him, like he's sitting out the hip hop 50 shit for the Grammys, even though he's invited. And I feel that. And I will say of that generation of that era that they keep putting on stage everywhere, he will wrap circles around those motherfuckers. He's probably got the best new album out of all of them. If you listen to I'm an MC or you want to, there are some bops on there. And and his bars are still a high level. And his performance is second to none and comparable to Tech 9 that motherfucker can rock it and something i also pride myself on it doesn't matter if you came to see metallica i can find the human connection and be an mc and master the ceremony or move the crowd karis one could do that at an even higher level he is the man what do you think makes up for krs because i said teaching a very clear speaking particular space rapping on level many mcs cannot deal people like some of them haven't rapped together in 20 years or this is the first time we've been on stage or we only do arenas and blah blah, blah and you know the roots are back in you like all that shit cares one needs none of that shit i seen that motherfucker he doesn't fly for y'all knowing that we've i have a good cares one story i'm not gonna go into it but i did a show with him um shout out to the people who did harvest for hope festival in florida this motherfucker was on the bill after i done with, did my set he pulls up in his Mercedes station wagon with New York plates. I He doesn't fly. So I'm assuming he drove straight from wherever he lived on the East Coast, pulled up, did the show, sat to see, who's the DJ? You are the DJ? I'm Chris. This is my set. And then the guy on stage, when I point to you, you'll know what to do. Rocked. Rocked the festival. Got in the car and drove home. 
or at least got in the car and left. I've seen two people do that. Oh, I've tried. I've done that on a couple occasions, and I've seen Doom do it. And oh my God, it's nothing more. And dude, the Doom was around this era. Man, I've seen Doom do a show, peel out, go right back to Atlanta in Miami, from Miami. Like that, Karis one, bro. There's, I have a couple stories about him, but oh my God. Oh, we talked about the I take the powder. He's a dynamic individual, but so I don't know if I was speaking about him, but he he still holds up heads above the rest. So no, but I hope that I'm not that MC to other people. I don't. I never wanted to stay overstay my welcome in this um, culture. On the road, I want to create space and give opportunities to those after me. And uh, I love what I'm moving into now, mentoring in my um, Groundways Hip Hop program. That's the best to me. I I I. Yeah, I have no desire to be touring when I'm f- even 50. Not, not There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm good, bro. I'm good. I want to be around my kids and supporting the next generation because they need it. So much losers. Ah! So much losers. So much losers. So much losers. This person RJ, not no tech, no fuck. I might wear a spike bracelet, but respect no fuck. The center of attention, I reject your dunk. Coming up with straight sickness to infect your trunk. See, I diss with ease, so dismiss those please. How could we ever come together when I rip and seize? All from limbs with the heart. I was dreading this one, um, but it's not bad at all. It's probably one of my favorite songs on this record. Shout out to RJD2, Ramble Cron. Uh, from Columbus, Ohio, where my father's originally from, who I don't know very well or didn't know very well, but uh, always had a special part, place in my heart. Um, so there's, it, I don't know, I guess, is it irony? I don't know. But the the energy surrounding, like, Camus, Met, and uh, RJ all became part of my life and Blueprint and are all from Columbus. Columbus, Ohio. Don't stop, don't stop. Campus legends. Ohio State, O State, keep it moving. So all the Buckeyes, like this. I can't believe the weak rhymes I see get credit. Sounds like some of my shit before I make edits. Fuck making art for idiots that don't get it. And writers who don't understand my life and how I live it. If I said it, I meant it. I had no uh, connection to Columbus because um, my father, like, I spent one summer with my father and a little bit of a winter. So that was it. And then in the, the uh, mid 90s, early 90s. And here I am in the early 2000s with homies in Columbus doing shows there at least twice a year. So it was dope. Um, working with him and just I remember when he, we first got signed to Def Jux like I met him and we just walked around uh, New York together just talking shit um, he's also one of the first people he was responsible when we get to Murray's Revenge for the way I structure my first record deal because he was one of the first rapper people in our circle I think he had sold uh, the thing to Mad Men by then he had come into some money and he wanted to buy some property, bought a duplex, I believe, in the Philadelphia area. And uh, me being who I am, always, I come from my, my grandfather's in real estate, my great grandfather, like buying some land. It was my grandfather's uh, 
thing what I tell all young rappers I meet now, especially those I know that are on the on on the way to get some money. Buy some land because it's the only thing they're not making any more of. So RJ uh bought a property and he was telling me that I of course like I started I said, how, when, how would you do, how do you prove your income, blah, because we're indie rappers. Indie rap indie rap is not a thing. Who's gonna lend us money? And uh I didn't know about first time buyers and all that. But RJ was like, yo, I had to put down 30%. I'm like, okay, this is a white kid. And at the time, RJ had just hit a lick for whatever he had just done. He had more money than me. I'm like, I'm definitely going to, if a white male in America needs 30% down because he's a musician. Uh, and that's the thing is when you get into being an artist, whether you're black or white, like the respect level is the same. You know, when, when, when I, got my first lawyer that I had to keep on retainer. The firm I went to told me I should sign with that firm because that's where the Red Hot Chili Peppers was and I was on Warner Brothers and they had to audit Warner Brothers every eight years so that they could get paid. When I negotiated my deal and the president was like, you're getting a better, you're getting more points than your album than Madonna has. They don't give a fuck about whether you're black or white. Those 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 contracts, and I believe I said on this podcast before, but those contracts are the same for Lincoln Park as they are for Wiz Khalifa at Warner Brothers. They're not. There's no fucking difference. Michael Bublé, all of us get get fucked the same way. And when you go to a bank, for the most part, you're gonna get the same or worse. But there's no preferential treatment for white musicians. They get treated like a fucking musician. You may get treated like a black musician, which is worse than a white musician. But you're the white musicians are definitely not getting treated favorably because they make rock music. Um, they don't care what kind of music you make. You're a fucking artist. You're a fucking beneath anyone. You're a creative. You don't understand responsibility. You couldn't possibly be fiscally responsible. You're a degenerate. Who are you to think you can be creative all day while I have to do this? Fuck you. They're going to stick it to you a lot of the time. I happen to buy property in Tucson and the person shout to uh, Paul Volpe and, and that organization because they were very, very transparent and honest with me um, and, and the property I've, I've bought in over the years. Maybe we'll bleep that out, but shout out to them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I learned from RJ more than anything. Uh, did the Final Frontier remix. I love Soul Position. Um, I love Dead Ringer really talented dude love the stuff he's doing now um i don't think we really jive on a, a creative level this is hyper aggressive so i don't think that that's not rj style you listen to soul possession soul position or stuff he's done with sts or the stuff he's done with fonte like i don't think we matched up that well Oh, I think he did some with AC alone too. A beautiful mind turned water into wine, but that's not all. Broke the water, shine through, shape the earth, created the cold of life, radiated with energy, the great boat of life, the spark, sparkling through the dark night, the walk that took forever without a thing in sight. Didn't hear a sound to the first tree corn fell depth of the ocean swell But yeah, this I'm rapping about fucking people up. Uh yeah, I was a very angry, angry dude. Choking people, slapping people, whatever, on occasion. And I wanted to use so much losers, so bad. Since I first heard it, Tajay, I love his voice. So much losers. Yeah. 
that's how it has been. The drill's this, I kill swift. I feels I better slay ya. Hey, my tape measure's greater. So now I'm axing if if they saw me and they was available. I love the thing he like he's like the E40 of the the of the backpack thing. Like the things he says, I find it fun to smack. Like he just has his wordplay and the way he phrases things is mwah. Uh, the inspiration they paid dues paid dues came from his song dues paid In the road to riches is paid, the gold is tripping, it's covered in shit and potholes, perils, pitfalls, near misses and avoided missions, but never forget your goals and ambitions. This is my life, it's more than just a business, been in this to diminish my circuits and minutes, snippets as many witness. I'm into a deep, let it seep, myself with sleep, syllabically building survival streaks from pop beats, climbing these hip hop fiends, even without the prospects of pop on the horizon we kept rising. But his word selection. Like the texture of the words he uses with his voice, his choice of words is just phenomenal, man. Um, and he's such an intellect, like he's such an intelligence. So a lot of all the dudes in High Road Street, like Cash, Tajay, like they're just some Dale's, just some fucking smart dudes. But Tajay is just his his, you know, and his style of dress, like everything like fits. It fits his his physical frame, his outward appearance, how he adorns his physical frame. It's just he he makes sense, and um, yeah, always has been a huge fan of that, and uh, so I always wanted you so much since I first heard it. I love that they had a blue tape, of course, but um, that first that's when you lost single. Like I the, the I wish my brother George was here. Album came out. I bought it. It was on the listening station on the corner. I bought it. And especially if I paid for some shit. If I didn't rack or steal it or have my brother, if we didn't like steal some shit, because I would run the, the diversion. My brother and my other, our little homie Ryan, my little homie Ryan would steal while I was running the diversion. I was a mastermind. We're going to go in the warehouse. We're going to do this. Not, we didn't have money. And we also like, they were dicks about the parental advisory stickers. So we had to go in there. So I think I bought Dale because it didn't have parental advisory on it. I'm not sure. I think it didn't. And, uh, it's like six ninety nine at the corner listening station, and it said Ice Cube's cousin. Cool. Then I open it up, and there's like all these people, and there's this symbol with three dots and a line. I'm like, oh shit! And of course, the Dell album. If you know me, it changed my life. He's rapping about taking the bus and not being a thug and getting beat up and like, oh shit, getting picked on and fresh from the metal with the mellow attitude. I was planning to pursue another quest for the bus. I had to go to San Fran. It's something that I can't stand. It's begging for a ride with my dudes. I don't like fussing, so I asked my older cousin, did he maybe find time to give the DEL a lift? He said it is impossible because he has a roster full of plans for the day. I had to go and sift through pennies in my jeans. To many, it may seem that the public transportation really isn't... He's talking about topics that I've never heard approached by a rapper. Sleeping on my couch, the second verse of Please Leave. It's like sleeping on my couch, revisited. The videos are zany, crazy, Mr. Dablina, which still holds up. I always, I'm going to make it a point on this podcast. If you have kids and you don't mind hearing a couple curse words, Mr. Dablina slaps. Run DMC slaps. Run DMC took over Christmas already. My my wife got, we do the Advent, Elf, whatever the fuck that shit is. They get presents every day. I don't fucking know what world we live in. These children, little presents. Like I got gumdrops this morning and candy cane yesterday. Hanukkah flavored candy canes because they were blue and they were amazed uh but one day she got them the little run dmc minifigures and so okay for me it's like perfect she tees it up i'm like cool 
run DMC all day today. And man, so then my my five year old goes to his flag football game, and like the guy across the line from him, like to intimidate him, he's rapping "It's Tricky, It's Tricky to Rocker" all in the dude's face before they hike the ball to like psych. He's like, "Yeah, that's how I'm talking trash. I'm intimidating him with this." Timeless run DMC. Like we went into the out front. They set up the box like a show and they took all their other toys and set them in the front row. I run DMC did the show and they told me to play run DMC on the MP3 speaker. And we just had a fucking time. Timeless. Mr. Dobelina is another slap like that. I see that hieroglyphics logo. And then years later, they start putting it in the source. Call this hotline. There's a new group, Souls of Mischief. I start looking at the names. I'm like, oh, Tajay, he was in the picture inside the whatever cover. But because it's not online, like, and I didn't keep up with it, I have to find a friend that still has that cover. Or I don't know how we checked it out, fact checked it. But, you know, we had to still have it go to the archives and pull out the Dell tape. And like, these are the same guys. This is the same logo. Oh, shit. Then the tape was blue and the stickers were different colors. And we're just going to the newsstand and dumping the the Source magazine out to get the stickers out. So if you had all the colors, you were cool. And still, we were a subsect. Like, regular cool kids didn't think this was cool. But we thought it was cool. And then once they came out and they were like Oakland dudes and like lightweight fly and like, then some of the trendy G kids at our school started fucking with them. Like, oh, they wear Hill figure too. Like, I was expecting them to be on some weirdo shit like us. And they were a little more uh, dipped, as they say, in 93 till. Some new fits, some new kicks. I often do this because it's the pits not being dipped. Come on, bro. Man, his his articulation, his vernacular, and he's just a well-dressed man. Uh, young man at that point, like, you couldn't, like, come on, bro. When you have really smart parents, my home, Anacron's like that, too. When you have really smart parents, it it shows, man. I think his parents were professors. I think him and Anacron's uh, parents were friends. I think Taja used to babysit Anacron. I think that was, that was the, the, the connection. So when I put it in, it's like, fools be whack. Please don't sleep. So much losers, bro. So much losers. I held on to that for 10 years and forced RJ to put it on this song. Yeah, other than that. So yeah, this is Post God Loves Ugly because I'm talking about creeping through the streets with Mr. Dibs for fights. Um, and just taking the fade. Like, I really liked fighting. I was texting with um, Steph Simon this morning about being the uh, only kid. On, like, he made a friend uh, for Felix Jones because he was the kid on the block who had the basketball court. I We were those kids. Me and my brother had the weight bench and the basketball court. So everybody, all all the neighborhood crips, not from neighborhood crips, but all the crips in our, on our block, Everybody on our block hung out in our backyard because we had that. My mom was at work. I could, I had usually had weed. My brother had weed. We had E and J. We had everything. My brother has been smoking cigarettes, smoking Newports, weed, dirt weed, and drinking E and J. Christian Brothers since the fucking third grade. I'm not shitting you. Um, and 
and he's six foot, whatever the fuck, and I'm five nine. Uh, and lifting weights, doing everything that was supposed to stunt your growth, I didn't do. He did, and he's a ginormous human being. But that made it the 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 place to hang out. And I was texting Steph today. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm we were those kids." But that kept us, you know, plugged in. He's like, "Oh, so let me find out you could ball." I'm like, "No, I cannot sports ball on any good level." But I could fight like that. That that that's what. Um, and you know, there's a part of me that like like I was I was as I was saying earlier. It's it was part of the culture, you know, gladiator, warrior, whatever. But as I got older, I had to consider the fact that oh, I can kind of fight lightweight, but if I whoop your ass, you're gonna want to shoot me or beat me up later. Doesn't even happen with battle rapping. Like, oh, if I serve you, that's how Red Dots and all my first songs got made because I was at a club when I was 15 and I started battling people and I destroyed these men who were 20-something and they came looking for me at my high school to physically assault me because they couldn't lyrically destroy me. So it's just people not being able to take L's. And these days, forget it because you're going to get as in the old terms, world starred, someone's going to pull out their phone and now you really can't take that ass whooping. You got to come back and shoot somebody or you don't even want to try to fight as we spoke about last week because there's a risk that you'll get beat up on video and it'll go on the internet and TikTok and get millions of views. Then you can't live with that. It was hard enough for some of these um, young men to live with ass whoopings, but now you have to live with the ass whooping with a million likes. World star! World star motherfucker! <laughs> I was learning this lesson early, like, man, like, motherfuckers ain't gonna take the fair one. They're gonna, they, they're not gonna, they're not gonna eat that. So now the skill that I've developed, a skill of defense and calling hand-to-hand combat, that's out the window. Cause it's only gonna get me shot. I I really need to rap. Can't play sports ball. I'm not big enough. I'm not tall enough. That, at that point, I was also enjoying marijuana too much for that shit. I'm too high to be fucking rubbing up against some sweaty man putting like, what the fuck you mean? Why would you want to do that? And that never fails to amaze me how many times I've been called gay for reading or wanting to rap or dress a certain way or having a Sanrio notebook. However. You want to lay on your back, let another man lay between your legs and roll around. You want to be sleeveless, shirtless, sweaty, putting your rear again, rear end against someone else's crotch and pushing the, pushing back with your waist and your hips, pushing back against another man's crotch to get closer to a hoop to put a ball into it so that other men can congratulate you and slap you on your butt. And then you're supposed to be tough, but then this old white man yells at you and throws clipboards at you and you never retaliate. Man, if y'all don't get the fuck out of here with who 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 is the not man or not traditional traditional manly man, fuck your, go fuck yourself, bro. I would never let anyone with a clipboard of any age or any race, ethnicity, talk to raise his voice on me without slapping the shit out of him. So I could win a fucking ring or a trophy? You matter better shut the fuck up, bro. Oh, man. Come on. But uh, yeah, so black kids, if I beat you up, you you were gonna tell your homies and you're gonna shoot me or jump me. White kids, 
I'm a fucking dick and I'm primitive. I'm a Neanderthal if I beat you up. So just violence had no place. But I still had this in me. And um, rap, battle rap was the outlet. Then that got squelched. And so now it's just living on these songs. I guess this is why I'm yelling and angry. And I believe around this time was Warp Tour. Another quick delve into there, but like, like as I said, that tours could be a whole nother story. But yeah, there was a, a guy that pissed me off on Warp Tour. And if you fight on Warp Tour, you have to go home. And uh, I always get caught in these situations where I'm on somebody else's dime. I can't get kicked off the tour for fucking somebody up because I'm here on behalf of Rhyme Sears and Slug, and they're doing me a favor. Slug saved my life um, by taking me on that tour. My neighborhood was out of fucking control. Um at this time and this is like when last night i got shot on my block i still have a gun i'm like this shit like taking me out of the hood to do warp tour for a song because summer if anyone knows the hood especially summer in la it gets hot and the block gets hot it gets crazy and i don't have the disposition as you understand now like I'm, I, my my knee jerk is to react violently or aggressively to any uh thing I believe is uh, infringing on my personal liberties or my sensibilities, offensive or disrespectful. So it's not that I'm super tough guy, but it's, I don't have the, the I haven't, haven't evolved, hadn't evolved enough. Uh, so being on this tour, but while on this tour, getting, escaping the hood, I still had an altercation with someone and uh, I tried to trick him and like gut punch him so no one could see. And I gut punched him and the dude hit me back. And then I got so happy. And, you know, Slug was telling like that, that freaked me out. He's like, the dude hits you in the face and you just start smiling. And it freaked the kid out. Cause I was like, oh shit. Cause I thought he was a sucker. I was like, oh, I didn't know you really wanted to go. Like, I was like, come here, man. I was like, let's go behind the thing. And the kid starts bawling. He starts crying. He's like, you're crazy. Why are you like, cause I'm like legit like, oh, you want to fight? I love to fight. Let's go, man. I was like, let's go back here though. Come over here and let's just, let's shoot the one. Like, come on. And he's like crying. I'm like, bro, like you hit me. Like you hit me. Like you're one up. Like, come on, hit me again. Let's I'm psyched. <laughs> and that was another instance where I'm like, okay, I have a problem, but this is also when I'm just getting on my meds, just starting my cognitive behavioral therapy, that just delving into my childhood traumas or whatever they, the word is for it. Um, yeah, I was a kid that was hit every time. Uh, uh, like, uh, I can't count it, like amounts of times I got whipped with a belt or slapped in my face by my stepfather or my mother. Like, not just like, oh, right, like, I didn't take out the trash. That's your ass. I didn't, like... You were playing Nintendo instead of cleaning your room. You didn't make your bed. That's my ass. Like, you didn't put your washcloth back on the right. That's your ass. Like, it was just a constant. And when they weren't beating up on us, they were beating up on each other. Like, it was just a constant. Woo! Um, and then in the neighborhood, just, like, violent. Like, because we're all coming from those homes. And then, you you know, like, we're, you know, the the oppressed people. Like, the, the, the now I can look back at the the job, like the Lockheed jobs, the, the factory jobs, the McDonnell Douglas jobs. Those jobs are disappearing. So young black men are fighting for survival. They're fighting for jobs. They're fight like, it's just, you know, and I'm sure in the brown community, it's the same thing. So I get out of the hood and I'm just like, ah, like, I'm not, 
I don't want to kill people who look like me over a color, but I, if you offend me, this is the way I react. And the way I see it, me just wanting to fight you is mild. This is fun. It's when people start getting into killing and shit like that, that that's, to me, that's extreme. But to most people, I start meeting like, having conversations like, oh, you've never been in a fight in your life. And that's the norm. You may have been in one fist fight in your life. That's the norm. Your parents may have hit you twice or never hit you at all. That's the norm. This is the world. It's not the norm in the hood, but it's the hood is this big. That's when I started realizing the hood is this big. And also me coming to grips with rappers lying. Like I've been listening to y'all's music and then I touched down in your hood, Brooklyn or Houston or something, and it's not like my hood. Like, I'm good. Like, and not, not that it's not popping off. When I got to Oakland, that was crazy to me. Like, we're in East Oakland. East Oakland, like real East Oakland. And people are coming off the porch like, blood, you want to smoke? Blood, what's up? Like, if you're not fucking with somebody's money or you don't wear Jordans or shit that motherfuckers want to rob you for, you're good. Man, LA motherfuckers are fucking with you just to fuck with you. They want to know where you're from. It doesn't matter what you're dressed like. It doesn't matter if they really think you bang or not. It is constant aggression. It's constant. And I'm sure it's like that as gangbanging has infected other communities. I'm sure that's it. Everywhere now. Motherfuckers are just fucking with you to fuck with you. When I got to other hoods and it was like based on, oh, you ain't got no money or you didn't fuck my girlfriend or you ain't trying to sell weed on my block or you ain't trying to sell dope over here. Oh, you good, nigga? What's up? You're black. We're good. We're we're good. You know? Like, don't get in dice games in other neighborhoods. Even I was doing stupid shit like that. I'm but I'm out, out in Dallas sipping lean and shooting dice on the front of my Cadillac. When I first did the first Merce Rules of War tour and I'm driving my Cadillac, I'm I'm man, I'ma pull up. Cause where black people get to do black people shit, young black male shit. And I don't have to worry about somebody set tripping. Man, I thought that was heaven, bro. Like, I can go to strip club and not have to look over my shoulder. I can pull up to the barbershop. We could just go see, you know, like, seeing black movies in a black theater. Like, I remember seeing even as late as, like, Bad Boys when they had the Nelly song, the Puffy song. At the end of the movie in Texas, all the black people stood up and started dancing. Like, Shake Your Tail Feather, I think that was the song, came on. And it was just a moment. I'm like, Wow. Nobody got beat up. Nobody got shot. It was a black film. We all saw it. The song that's in, the hottest song in, in our community right now is on. Everybody's just chilling. Wow. Um. Yeah, man, those are the things that I was dealing with. That's what this, like, sore, sore losers, like, not being able to take getting beaten in a battle, not being able to take that. So much losers. Shout out to Tajay. That's this is a long episode, and we are, let's see, we only got four more tracks left. No, five, sorry, going into BTS next week. Uh, I don't know if we're going to take a week off or two weeks off for the holidays. I would love it if we would, didn't go into the new year, still on the end of the weekend, and we could start the new year at 316, which I'm sure a lot of people are waiting on, but I think that most of you guys have ran interviews or saw stories about that, so I don't know how impactful the 316 episodes will be but uh i would love to get this out of the way nobody told you i love you the holidays are a fucking time to be fucking shitty sad about a lot of things i've been there let's all come through on the other side of this man if you oh yeah if you need a present also 
for your loved ones or whatever, Cameo. I love doing those. I'm going to be around. I'm usually traveling. I've missed a couple. If I've missed you in the past, I'm sorry, but I'm paying attention to Cameo. If you had a last-minute gift you want to give somebody or a white elephant, whatever, let me know. Hit me on Cameo. Just search, I think it's cameo.com slash Merce316 or something like that. Uh, there's another Merce on there. Fuck them. But uh, you know what I look like. You'll see the picture. That's That's a great gift. If not, if you can't give anybody anything, hope you find some family to be around or someone to be around. If not, it's just another fucking day. Chill. Whatever it is, I love you. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Peace. Corrections from this episode or things we didn't mention. The intro to uh, Please Leave, I'm Singing Love, was Tell Us Apart Again. I was introduced to that band via, I think, Dan Monic, or it might have been Ariel, but uh, Lou Reed is amazing and so glad that I got hip to him and so many other uh, artists as I work with different engineers, photographers, and producers from outside of Black America, um, broadening my... my uh, musical scope i really really appreciate that lou reed is the jam if you haven't checked out lou reed so i was singing a little bit of him at the beginning of please leave because i was listening to that song while i was going through the breakup which inspired me i think to make great or decent breakup music uh other than that i don't remember any more corrections oh the the tour warp tour is definitely uh summer 20 2000 when i say definitely that means 98 percent sure to summer 2002 before the end of the beginning was released because we used to drop singles and then work the album and have some pre-roll and uh, roll out, uh, roll up and then roll out. Thanks for listening to the Best Rapper in LA podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is. If you like the show, leave a review on Apple Music or Spotify and to support the podcast directly, go to patreon.com slash M-U-R-S 316, Merce 316. Have a good one. I'll see y'all soon.